Well, today I really felt compelled to bring a message about who we are as a church. And I don't believe I've really ever done it here as a sermon, as a message at the morning service here at Cherry Creek, and which is a big shame on my part. I should have done it a long time ago. But I, I have been um, seeking to get to know uh, everybody here better. And also with our, with our afternoon congregation, there's just a critical need to know who we are, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. So earlier this week, Pastor Feast and I and Lori were all up in Keystone at a pastor's conference, Foursquare Pastor's Conference, and we really had a good time. There's some really good vision that the Foursquare Church has cast for this district, and it's, it, can be, it can be summed up in one word, double, double. They want to see the number of churches in our district double. They're praying that, uh, that our church, our churches will double. And that's what I'm praying. By 2020, that's the goal. Double by 2020. So four years to see our churches double in size and to see the number of churches in our district double. That we would double our, um, missionaries that we send out. That we would double the number of churches that are, uh, from different ethnic groups. So like right now, we, we started eight years ago. We had just two different ethnic groups in our district. And now, praise the Lord, there are 13 different ethnic groups throughout the six state area. So that, those states include Colorado, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, and Wyoming. Um, Wyoming has been added into our district last year. So now we have all these different People groups and, and what Sam, Pastor Sam, our district supervisor is calling us to do is pray that that would double, that the number of, so instead of 13, there would be 26 in four years. Praise God. I think that can happen. The people are here already. It's just that they aren't in a church yet and we don't have a four square church yet for them. So praise the Lord. It's happening. And so today I felt really after after that stimulating conference, I really felt like I really need to share with you, and uh, Donna may also have something to say at the end of my little talk here, of, of what, what we are as a church. Why do we church, do church the way we do? Okay, so the, the title of my message is, our tagline, Exalting Jesus as a Multi-Ethnic Church Family. I want to emphasize this very clearly, number one, our goal is to exalt Jesus. Okay, that's what we do. So everything I say underneath this, past this, is just to support that. <laughs> okay, I really want to make that clear. Because sometimes we get into some of the details, and it's like we might feel like we've lost track of, of what our real overarching goal. We want to exalt Jesus. And that's why Pastor Feast is encouraging us to give praise, and to give worship to God. We come into His gates with what, does it say? With thanksgiving. And then we started with that today. We just gave thanks. And then we go into His courts, the place where He rules, with praise. So we start with thanksgiving, we go in praise, and then we worship, which is that close, intimate time with God. We exalt Jesus. That's what we do. 
And then what God has called us to do is to be a multi-ethnic church family. So here in this service right now, we have Punky Butar Butar, who's from Indonesia, and he's my brother. Even though we come from different parts, you can't get as far opposite from the United States as Indonesia. I think that's as far as you can go. It's the exact opposite side of the world. <laughs> and yet, here we are. He's my brother and he's your brother. And here's Asnaku from Ethiopia. And then we have our brothers from Congo and that area of the world. And praise God, we even have people who are from Scandinavian background and European background, but they're all Americans here in America, some Jewish, a little bit of Jew over here in Marie. We have all these different things, but we're coming together as a family. Folks, we need this. We need this message. I'm going to talk more about that. The, the, the world needs this message. The world needs this message. Okay, so I want to get into that right now. My first point here, we live in a world in which many people have given up on institutionalized religion, but they are open more than ever to Jesus. This is, I'm quoting actually from a book. Uh, you'll, I'll show it to you in just a minute. But um, a book by a man named Dan Kimball who did some research among young people. So the young people feel like, I don't think church has anything to do with my life. It has, it has no, I have no need for that. But what they do feel is if you talk to them about Jesus, they're interested. So that ought to be a key for all of us here. When we are talking to someone who's not a believer, let's not waste time talking about the church. You should come to my church. You need to get into church, even though that's true. Okay, I don't disagree with that statement. But they're not going to hear it. They're going to reject it. What they need to hear about is Jesus. Whatever we do and whatever we say, we should be bringing people to Jesus. The church has lots of flaws. <laughs> the church, and people have had experience in church. There's one lady that at the conference who is a leader in our, in our uh, district, and she said she was told to leave church one time. She was rejected. They said, we don't want you here. And, you know, people carry those wounds and, and they look at the church and they look at religion and say, that's bad. But what people need to come down to is deal with Jesus. Now, some people are going to reject Jesus. We know that. And Jesus himself was rejected. But it's really important that we don't make people reject Jesus because of us or because of the church. We just need to show Jesus for who he is. Amen? Okay. Big point. Very important. People have given up on religion. In this country, I'm talking about. We're talking about America right now. And that's kind of how it is. So in my next slide here, the title of the book is They Like Jesus But Not the Church by Dan Kimball. He's the one that did this research. <clears throat> and after interviewing a number of unchurched young people, he discovered that Far from being antagonistic in, about faith in Jesus, they were open to faith in Jesus, but doubtful that the church, as they knew it, had anything to teach them about it. Now that's a problem, isn't it? Because where, where does the teaching about Jesus come from 99% in this, in this world? It comes from the church. So 
like it or not, the church is where the, if they want to hear about Jesus, they have to go to the church. There are a few people who can grab a hold of a Bible, go live in a cave, and meet Jesus. But most people, we're all like sheep, you know? We really need each other. <laughs> we need to be together. And so going to church is where you hear about Jesus. But unfortunately, this is how they feel. Now they believed, here's the next slide, they believed that the church is an organized religion with a political agenda, that it is negative and judgmental in outlook. That's how people feel, especially young people, that the church is negative, negative, and judgmental in outlook. One guy wrote a song that says, uh, they know that hell is where I'm bound, and they pray that God will speed me. <laughs> so the, there's this attitude of, you all think I'm going to hell, so why should I come to your church? Well, we need to, to change the emphasis of the message to where, yeah. Um, and that they also say that church is generally a male-dominated fundamentalist organization. And he sums up the attitudes by quoting Gandhi, who said, now Gandhi, you know Gandhi? It's this, this little guy with the glasses on the picture. He was a great leader within India that rallied India after their time of coming to independence. And his quote, he said to an Anglican minister, was this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. You Christians are so unlike your Christ. That is a strong, scathing statement. And that's how people feel. You go talk to the people on the street today, that's how they feel. Jesus they like, us not so much. Well, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is that, what I've just said. That's how they think. But the good news is, we can only go up from here. <laughs> we can get better. We can do better. And how are people, how are people, let me just ask you this question right now. This is, this is a question for the class. How can people get a different view about us and the church? What can we do to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we bring him to Jesus, who does have the answers. That's good. <laughs> okay. So, what can we do? What can we do? Anybody else have an idea? What can we do to turn this thing around? Okay. Caring. And what's another word for caring? Loving. God so loved the world that He gave. Really, if love comes out of our life, look at the next slide. God sent His Son Jesus to help us recalibrate life around love. You know recalibration? It's like when you have an instrument and you need to set it to its true, like if a compass, like if, if north is, which way is north? North is that way, right? So if, if there's a compass, it's pointing that way instead. There's something wrong with it. So it needs to be recalibrated. One time uh, I heard about the, the GPSs in cars can get off. And so they don't know which way is north and south and east and west. And so what 
you call tech support and they say, well, what you need to do is reset it. And then you get into a parking lot and you drive around in a circle three times. Have any of you heard this? You get in the parking lot and you drive around three times. And then the compass is able to acquire true north again. And it resets, it recalibrates. Um, birds do this. When birds take off and they're going to go travel somewhere, you watch a flock of doves or pigeons, they'll do big circles three times. And that's how, within them, there's this thing of getting out, they're getting the direction, and they somehow know, after flying in a circle three times, they know which, which way to go. So I'm going to pull out of that. I'm going to pull out of that and say, here's what we need to do, folks. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Get ourselves recalibrated to find out which way true north is and then go in the direction that he takes us. And what's the direction for us? It is love. Love is true north for us. The DNA of the early church was love. The early church showed their love by caring for one another, feeding one another, inviting each other into their homes, and Jesus was the motivation for all of that. So Light of the Nations, if we're going to be a multi-ethnic church family, we need to love one another. We need to love one another. We really need to care for one another, even those of us who are hard to get along with, even those of us whom we don't care for. We start, we need to tell ourselves, love, love each other. So church, I'm telling you that right now. I command you in the name of Jesus to follow God's, uh, God's command and love each other, to love one another. Love people who are different than you are. And this is the best church to do that in. Find people who are different and learn to love them. So here's the vision statement for Light of the Nations. To grow a church of many colors that will look like heaven in worship and be Jesus on the earth. That's who we are. That's the vision that God gave us at the very, very beginning, nine years ago, before we even started. This is the vision that gave that God gave Donna and myself. That we would grow a church of many colors in, in worship like heaven. God has redeemed from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every culture. Come into heaven together and they're there in worship together. That's the sort of picture, vision of how we are in worship. But more than that, in addition to that, or maybe extracted from that, is that we really learn to love like Jesus did. Sacrificial love. Okay? That's who we are. And that's our vision. So are you with me so far? We doing okay? Okay. So here are some questions. Here's a question that I raised. Next slide. Why on earth do a multi-ethnic church? I mean, really? Do we really need to do that? to where we're singing songs in different languages. And, uh, I mean, what's wrong with all the Ethiopians being over there and all the Congolese over here and all the Americans over here? What's, what's wrong with just keeping us separated? Well, it goes back to what I said in communion. The Lord really wants us to be united. And when we come together in this, in this setting, number one, it's what heaven looks like. Now, what prayer did Jesus pray? Uh, what, when he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, so we all have the same Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done. And then what's the next phrase? On earth as it is in heaven. So assuming that things are in heaven, it's God's will and it's the way he wants it. Assuming that, then on earth, let's, let's see that it happens that way. So in heaven, it's a multi-ethnic throng before the throne of God worshiping together. So in earth, on earth, as far as we are able to, let's do it. Let's do it. So that's the theological basis for why do a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. That's why. That's why. Okay, now the second point is our world is changing. Now this is a more of a practical point. And when I say our world, I'm talking about America. America is changing very quickly. Very, very quickly it's changing. The population of the world is changing. But here's the projection. By the year 2040, 50%, 50% of the nation of the United States will be non-white. And it's due to birth rates, not due to immigration. Even though in our room here, the people who are here who are non-white have come immigrated from other parts of the world. So now's our chance. We've got how many years till 2040? 24 years. 24 years. So by the time you're 50, uh, Stephen, uh, just about there, give or take, the, the America will be 50-50. 50 white, 50 non-white. Now what that means is there's going to come a, a whole lot more pressure to integrate, to be interacting with people of different culture. There are, now I'm speaking to the white folks here right now, Growing up in this country, you may never have had to interact with people of different culture, different race. But even now, if you don't have to, it's coming. And every year, <clears throat> there's going to be more and more all the time. So, it seems very practical to me to have a church that already does that. So that if you know somebody, African, Asian, in your South American, in your church and you see them worshiping God, you stand side by side with them, worshiping the Lord together, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to go into your community when you have a neighbor move in who's not of your color and not of your culture. You see what I'm saying? It's going to happen. The mixture is coming. So the church, my conviction was, the church needs to get ahead of that. If it's happening anyway, let's have the church already show we can love one another, we can worship with one another, we can, we are brother, sister together. We can get ahead of the rest of the world and say, hey, it's okay. Boy, what a time we need it right now. When we have people, uh, with, with lots of racial, racial tension going on. We need to get with it, especially the church. The cry I've been hearing from other pastors is the church needs to be the church in order for us to face what's ahead as a country. If the church cannot get along in a multi-ethnic setting, then there is no hope for the world. I really think that's true. If the church can't do it, how can we expect the police force and the communities to do it? Right? You see the logic there? So if Christ is with us, we can do this. If Christ is with us, we can do it, and we should do it. So, there's a need for change, amen? Because it's not that way now. So there's a need for change. And here we go, look at my third point. People change in an environment of grace and love. 
People change in an environment of, of, of grace and love. People don't change long term just out of fear and out of, out of uh, trouble. But in grace, in a grace environment, because there's always going to be trouble. <laughs> but when you have grace, when you have love, as a church setting should be, someone comes into our church who's from another culture, they should be welcomed, loved, and embraced by everybody in the church, black and white, brown, together. Amen? We should be. So everyone should be embraced and loved, and then it's in that setting where you know you're accepted, you know you're loved no matter what, then change is possible. And then the next point that I have up here is deep change is necessary in our world. A multicultural learning environment is one that exposes our prejudice. It, get, it get, makes exposure to our prejudices. So if we are in a church together where we can be in a multi-ethnic, multicultural setting, it shows our flaws. It reveals them to ourselves. You suddenly feel that little burst of anger rise up. Oh, why, why are they like that? You know, they're so different. You let that come up. And then it's in this attitude of grace and love that that can get worked out in your own heart. That's what we're talking about. It's not so much we need to change them. It's how can I be changed? How can my attitude and my heart be shaped? Are you with me? The multicultural setting reveals our flaws. It shows us our prejudices. It shows us our uh, hatreds. Now, I want to make something very clear. The hatreds in the world are not just black and white. People come to the United States with their own hatred, with their own prejudices. Am I right? So, I grew up in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, there are many different languages and many different tribes. And I never experienced any hatred against me, the white man, when I was in Ethiopia. But I saw a lot of hatred of one tribe for another tribe. When we first started our church, Light of the Nations, we had people from India and we had people from Nepal in our church. And you know what I found out? I didn't know this before. People from India and Nepal don't really like each other very much. When I'd get with the Nepali people, they'd talk, oh, those Indian people, blah, 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 blah. I'd get with the Nepalis, they'd say, oh, get with the Indians, they'd say, oh, these Nepalis, man, they're just, they're just like dirty, ignorant people. I'm like, really? <laughs> I was surprised. To hear that. So everybody has their own stuff that they bring. But in the body of Christ, we bring all of that together. We bring it with us. But then in the presence of Jesus Christ, we lay those things down. And we learn to love each other. Amen? We learn to love each other in this multicultural setting. The Bible states that God's image is in a human. Okay? God created man in his image. Some people do not believe that. Some people, and this is what I'm about to say is offensive to me, and uh, I believe that if you're here in this church, you don't agree with what I'm about to say. There are those who cannot accept that black people or non-white people are in God's image. There's a group in our country called the Ku Klux Klan. You've heard of them. They made up their own theology 
There's no biblical evidence for this. They made up their own theology that black people are descended from, they have the mark of Cain on them. That's what they say. The mark of Cain. And that they are rejected by God. And that that excuses the way they treat black people. The way they treat non-white people. They would do lynchings back in the South. Hanging people and killing people. Burning crosses on their lawns. They were against the Jews, against any blacks. And they made up this theology saying that these people had the mark of Cain on that. Now I'm offended by that. That is offensive to me. And I'm sure it is to you too. So, (laughs) here's my answer. I come against it in the name of Jesus. I come against that thinking and it's a spirit. It's a demonic spirit from hell that has influenced our country. In the name of Jesus, I reject that thinking. And instead, I advocate for a multi-ethnic church where black and white, and you can hardly see red and brown, the colors aren't coming as clearly as they did on my computer, worship together all the colors of God's creation together in praise. Amen? That's what, that's a practical reason that I feel the Lord has given us this church is to come against that spirit of division or the spirit of unity and oneness in Jesus' name. Now, here are some scriptures that the Lord gave us at the very beginning. The first is a promise, Isaiah 60, verse 3. Would you read this together with me? Let's say it aloud. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Say it again. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. I believe this verse is for us. This is a verse that has come to us. There are people who have come to us simply by us being out there, by us being on, the light is on, and people find their way home to our church. Praise God. We have people in our church who had high positions socially where they were. Almost you could call him a king. Uh, One of them is Fisa's father-in-law. His name is Papachite, he's one of the elders in our church. He was a tribal chief. He was in line to become the tribal chief in his tribe. I don't know the name of the tribe or what that was, but uh, he was, but he decided instead of that to follow Jesus and he escaped out of his country because he would have been inviting, if he had stayed in that position, as I understand this story, if he had stayed there, they do this ceremony where they invite the demons into the leader. They call demons into so that he can rule with power. So he said, no, I'm going to follow Jesus instead. He got out of that situation and fled his country, and he's with us here today. He's a king, and he has a kingly way about him. I feel like I learn a lot from him. I like to sit at his feet and listen to him, to what he has to say. Well, I think the Lord has brought more people like that to us. Kings will rise. As long as we leave our light shining, we light this candle, let the light shine, and the people come to us. The second one is a prophecy. Can we read this one together? Isaiah 55, 5. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. I feel like that has 
been spoken over us and is true of us. There are nations I really had not thought about. I'd heard of Bhutan before, but I never really knew anybody from Bhutan. And yet we had, we started our church with mostly Bhutanese refugees. And our church had grown to a huge number, pushing 200 people of mostly Bhutanese refugees, all of them Hindu, when they first started our church. Since then we've planted out three churches that are Bhutanese churches and most of those people have gone with those. We just have a little remnant left. But it's a nation I hadn't really thought of or talked about at all. And here they came. Praise God. And I believe that there are others. There are other nations. In fact, I want to ask you to pray. Lord, who are the nations? Give us the nations that should be coming to our church that can help us learn how to love each other in this multicultural environment. That's a prophecy that the Lord has spoken over our church. And then the final one is like the roots of who we are. Would you say this with me? Isaiah 49.6 I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. When we first started, I thought, you know, I'd love to be able to send out missionaries and, and see a touch around the world from our people. And quite frankly, I've been shocked to see that we have that kind of touch. Our little church, <laughs> we have people that we're connected with in Guatemala. There are inner city kids hearing about Jesus every week because of a mission outreach we have over there. We have people in Ethiopia, other side of the world. Ends of the earth touch happening through our little church. Some orphans in Shimla, India, who talk about light of the nations, that's the group that helps them get their education. Praise God. There's a touch uh, all around our world. I will make you as a light for the nations. And I think it goes beyond simply missionaries. There are people within our church from other parts of the world. Uh, this past week, I was able to talk with Fisa's father two or three times while we were up in the mountains. He was talking to him on the phone. And, and here's a man who's a pastor in the Congo and has blessing that he has given to me and to his son just through these conversations. And it was a beautiful thing. It, it made me feel like this prophecy, this word over us is coming true. Let his salvation reach to the ends of the earth. So what I'm going to ask you to do, church, is take these ideas home with you and begin to pray them for our church. Begin to pray that they would reach out, that there would be more of this. Now, from the very beginning, my wife, Donna, has um, shared this vision with me, and it grew with us together. So it wouldn't be right if I at least didn't give an opportunity for Donna if she wanted to say something, because, you know, <laughs> there's no such thing as me carrying this burden by myself. She shares a great deal of this burden with me. So I want to give her a chance. Do you have something you'd like to say, Donna? Yes. So what Andy has told you has come through in these last few years, in these last eight years, come is birthed before we ever started a church, before we ever met with anybody else. And I want to focus the last scripture that Andy said, Isaiah 49, 6, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Um, for me, since I was nine years old when I became a Christian, I wanted to be a missionary. 
That's all I ever wanted to do. And every time I would, I, I did go. I went to Korea when I was in college. And we got accepted several times to different places. And then due to unseen things that happened, we were unable to go. And I grieved, and I was mad at God for that. But God all along was planting these seeds in us of Isaiah 49.6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Because I feel like God has fulfilled every desire of my heart by light of the nations, where we are meeting people from the ends of the earth. And, and throughout history, God has done different things to get his word out. Mm. He made the Jews ha- suffer persecution in Jerusalem, so they would go out. Then when the Christians got comfortable, he made invaders come in and take them back to their lands to spread the gospel. Then he sent missionaries for a long time. And now in our global world, where people are able to move and go all over the world, he's brought people from all over the world to us. And I feel like God has fulfilled that heart in me to be able to see all the nations here. And then not just stay here, but our prayer is that people go back and share with their home countries and that there is just a movement of God. But also, these nations, many, like Stephen, like Asnaku, like Feast, like Punky, come here loving Jesus with their whole heart. Mm-hmm. And they have so much to give to us, Amen. American church, mm-hmm. about passion, about joy, about laying it all down mm-hmm. for Jesus. They have so much. I don't want to miss that. And I don't want us, as light of the nations, to miss the rich gifts God has given us in bringing the nations together. It is a richness and a joy. Is it easy? I don't always understand what people are saying. I eat food sometimes that I don't know what it is. But that's easy. It's it's so low on that on that plane of the joy that I get in learning about a different way Jesus, of a different aspect of Jesus that I never knew, or seeing the Bible through somebody else's eyes that have lived in a different life, that have seen God work in them. I don't want us to miss that. I don't want any of us, no matter from where we're from, to miss the joy of being together as the nations under Jesus Christ. So... As that vision plays itself out every day, every week, we have so much to be thankful for. And as you, as we talk together, as we have communion together, as we worship together, as we learn to, to be connected in different ways, eating with people, going to their homes, visiting with them, celebrating birth, grieving with them in death, all of us, in the ways that are meaningful to each culture under Jesus, we are going to have a life of richness in Jesus that will shine to the world. That is just an amazing gift from God. Thank you for accepting that gift, Light of the Nations. Thank you for accepting that. And let's embrace it with the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the message is love. I want to encourage you to love one another. 
and to carry the love of Jesus to the world. And we get to do it. We get to practice in here in a multi-ethnic setting. And I just want to bless you as we conclude our service right now.